What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest CSG special. Before I get started, I would like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located uh, between Blake and Wazee and 18th and 19th in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, right in the middle of the Dairy Block and a couple blocks away from Coors Field. Great location, great spot, great people, great wine. Um, I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, when I when I went there, it's great selection of Pinot Noir. Uh, and that is because they own uh, a vineyard in the Russian River Valley in uh, California, and they specialize in Pinot. Um, they also have Cabernet blends. They also have, you know, a great selection of whites and rosés. But they really do specialize in Pinot. And uh, I suggest, highly suggest you come in and try some of it, uh, especially if you like uh, that version of red wine. Um, you have a great serving staff, great atmosphere. Uh, they opened up in late 2018, so they're coming up on a year since they opened. Honestly, I really you know, don't support anything on this podcast unless I believe it, and I really do believe in these guys. I had a great, great time when I was there. I tried a flight of wine. Um, the serving staff, as I said before, was fantastic, and the atmosphere was just second to none. Uh, Blanchard Family Wines are on Instagram, and they are on Facebook under Blanchard Family Wines. They are located, once again, uh, between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in the middle of the dairy block in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? This is a CSG special. Um, this is going to be a uh, exploration of the Peter Bino and Bertram Lee um, ownership, and I'm using air quotes here, of the Denver Nuggets. They, uh, they were a couple African-American businessmen who purchased the team in 1989, October, actually, of 1989. And what started out as history turned into an unmitigated financial and personal disaster for both men. Um, there was a lot of different circumstances, and it does involve our everyone's hated commissioner, David Stern, uh, or loved, depending on your perspective. Um, and it heavily involves him, and it heavily involves uh, a, just a perspective of wanting history. Um, and I'm going to start this out with some a little bit of back history with Denver Nuggets and uh, both Bino and Lee. Um, the Denver Nuggets were always seemed to be from about 1967 to 1982 were perpetually in financial trouble. Um, they just never could find an owner that was uh, willing to stick it out or had enough money to just weather the, the financial storms. The Nuggets, despite leading the NBA and ABA in attendance from 1974 to uh, 1978, um, were not doing well by 1979, largely because of a contract they had given uh, David Thompson. Uh, David Thompson got the biggest contract in professional sports history in 1978. Um, and he, while he, it turned into a disaster for him, and it also turned into a disaster for the Denver Nuggets. They could not afford it, um, but they gave it to him because they didn't want to lose him. And the Nuggets, that gamble turned into the Nuggets being purchased by a consortium of, of business people, including Carl Shear, who was the team president uh, and general manager. Uh, 
Um, and it just wasn't sustainable. Um, so Red McCombs, a Texas businessman, came in and really bailed them out in about 1979. And then in 1982, purchased the entire team, um, got full ownership of the team, uh, and Carl Shearer was let go. And the team kind of coalesced around the personality of uh, Red McCombs. He was this big, brash, uh, red-headed Texan who uh, really genuinely loved the Nuggets. And if you ask anyone who was around at the time, they all say Red McCombs was the best owner in Nuggets history. They, they loved how he owned the team. They loved his personality. And it was a great time for the Nuggets because in the years that he owned the team, they only missed the playoffs twice. And uh, then, <laughs> you know, owned the team. And then in full ownership, they made the playoffs every year and went to the Western Conference Finals in 1985. It was a high point for the Nuggets. Uh, the, well, the 85 Nuggets team won 52 games, and it was uh, largely one of the better teams in Nuggets history, right up there ranked among the best. And um, it was riding on that crest that um, Red McCombs was approached by his old friend and fellow Texan, Sidney Schlenker. Sidney Schlenker was an interesting fellow, um, he was largely responsible for building the Astrodome. And after the Astrodome in Houston was built, he uh, ran events out of it. He was largely an event promoter, um, but he made millions and millions uh, booking events into uh, the Astrodome. The Astrodome uh, was, what was it, one of the seven wonders of the world after it was built, and it's a roof, and it is just... An incredible thing. But anyway, they, they, uh, Sidney Schlenker did a, a great job promoting it. Um, basically, he cajoled uh, Red McCombs into uh, listening to him to at least purchase, uh, to, for, uh, like an attempt to purchase the team. And uh, it was over a lunch at the Brown Palace Hotel that a deal was hammered out that Sidney Schlenker was going to give uh, Red McCombs something like $28 million to buy the Denver Nuggets. It was, this is like, oh, that's like cowboy stuff, you know. And then through Telex, it was, it was approved by uh, NBA owners. It was one of the first, I think it was the first sale of a team under David Stern, who had just taken over as commissioner. And uh, that was his first uh, team sale. And uh, it was approved. And then Sidney Schlenker, in 1985, uh, began the process of running the Denver Nuggets. But his motives, it seems clear now, and through the course of history and statements by himself, was he would, would have had preferred to just flip the team. Uh, gone were the days of Red McCombs really caring about the team. Now, Sidney Schlenker was not in, in, by any means a bad owner. In fact, uh, he was just more of a quirky character. Um, he uh, dumped a whole bunch of money into McNichols Arena. The, he did not own the arena. That was a, team, that was a uh, uh, city-owned arena, but he dumped about somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to $20 million into uh, upgrading the scoreboard, upgrading the seating, and putting a couple of restaurants inside uh, McNichols, one of which I believe failed almost immediately after he, after he uh, uh, put it in there. But Schlenker, it was seemed clear upon hindsight, was just looking to flip the Nuggets. Um, he 
was uh, I think he was a part owner of the of a an NBA team before uh, he came, uh, purchased the Nuggets, uh, but it was uh, a short-lived venture. He gets to the Denver Nuggets, and it, again, it becomes a short-lived venture. And in 1987, two years after he purchased purchased the team, he puts them up for sale. Um, it began a two-year process of trying to find someone to buy the team. Uh, the Nuggets were up and down at this point in time, but by 80, the 87-88 season, they had won 54 games. Uh, and this was really the last gasp of the English-era Nuggets teams. Um, by that time, by 88, English was 32, and this was really his last great season as a Denver Nugget. Uh, as a, as a really basically as an NBA player, um, and the Nuggets won 54 games. Fat Lever again gets injured in the playoffs, um, and just they didn't have it against the uh, Dallas Mavericks, who won one last game in the Midwest Division, uh, and the Mavericks uh, in 87-88 end up going to the. Uh, uh, Western Conference Finals and taking the Lakers to seven games, which most people believe the Nuggets of that Nuggets team, if they were fully healthy, would have taken the, the uh, Lakers seven games. Uh, I believe those teams split their season series 2-2. Uh, in fact, included the Nuggets winning one game in L.A. And the the Nuggets just fell just short, as, as has been their history. Um... It was off the back of that season, uh, the 88-89 season, things started going down. The fortunes started going down for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, They ended up winning 44 games in 1988-89, and it was a, it was just, you could tell the team was getting old. English was getting old. Uh, Fat Lever was by far the best player on the team through the last couple years of the English era. Um... He he was just racking up triple doubles and and doing all that. His most of his damage was done from '86 to '89, basically. Um, and the Nuggets were swept in the first round. Um, in that off season, the 1989 off season, uh, Schlenker was getting antsy and he really wanted to sell the team. And these. Uh, David Stern came to, to um, Sidney Schlenker and said, I want you to sell it to these people. And that leads me to the other part of the story. Bertram Lee was a guy who uh, was not much is actually known about him publicly, other than the fact that he owned a couple TV stations. Uh, he was based in Boston. And uh, he had tried multiple times to buy other teams. Uh, he attempted to buy the uh, uh, San Antonio Spurs, and he attempted to buy the New Jersey Nets, um, both in 1988. And he came close on the Spurs, and it didn't didn't it didn't go through. Um, his multiple attempts to to purchase teams impressed David Stern an African-American businessman, an entrepreneur looking to own an NBA team. Um, due to the unfortunate history of pro sports ownership in uh, this country 
African-American entrepreneurs and businessmen have had very few and far between opportunities to own NBA teams. And in the 1980s, it was even less than that. Um, Bertram Lee was a guy who was trying to take the bull by the horns. Uh, There were rumors in the summer of 1989 that the NFL was looking to shepherd in uh, under Paul Tagliabue, who had just taken over as uh, commissioner. They were looking to shepherd in a uh, a African-American ownership team into the NFL. Not one to be beaten by the NFL for anything. Uh, David Stern really, really saw it as an opportunity to push the, uh, the NBA as the for, to the forefront of, of African-American um, empowerment, uh, African-American entrepreneurial business. Uh, and it was a bit of history that he could not pass up. Meanwhile, Peter Bino had been uh, doing a bunch of uh, moving, basically being a mover and shaker in Chicago sports. Um, he was very responsible for um, building the new Comiskey Park or leading the effort to build a new Comiskey Park in uh, Chicago. Um, he was involved in a whole bunch of different sports uh, entities as being a lawyer in Chicago. And Bino was a guy who, he was a force to be reckoned with. He was a guy that you knew had money and he knew that where to put it. And he knew to put, you know, he was putting his money where his mouth was. Um, Peter Bino was a large personality and he was a a somewhat abrasive personality, but he got stuff done. Um, there was a ton of 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 you know sports related activity that he began in moving to a huge extent in 1980, you know, mid 80s, uh, and through his uh, law firm, uh, he began exerting power in the sports in in Northern Illinois. And he became known as a guy who was a force to be reckoned with when it comes to, you know, potential sports ownership. Peter Bino and Bertram Lee uh, got wind of each other. Now, there is dispute whether David Stern hooked them up or if they found each other first. But they came together to solidify a all-African-American ownership group to buy and own an NBA team. In 1989, this uh, group approached um, Sidney Schlenker at the behest of David Stern. Um, Then the group, by the time they came to Sidney Schlenker, included um, Arthur Ashe, included uh, Ron Brown, who... uh, I think later became Commerce Secretary, or was before that he was Commerce Secretary. It was a, no, no, no. That's not right. He was the head of a Democratic National Committee. Um, so there was there was there was a lot of big wig 
African American uh, people who were looking to invest into a sports team. And uh, in 1989, the summer, they met Sidney Schlenker and hammered out a deal to buy the team for $65 million, led by Bino and Lee. And this was a historical moment. And in a moment that I'm sure David Stern, if you talk to him now, would say that he would regret, they announced the deal at the Waldorf Astoria in New York in a a huge publicly televised story that went over all the networks and on ESPN. It was a big national story. African-American, first African-Americans to ever purchase and own outright a uh, sports uh, enterprise. Um, It was a tremendous moment, and obviously David Stern, knowing moments, uh, was very happy. It was announced what they didn't inform people behind the scenes that was that there was no deal. There was a deal, but there was no deal. Money was not in hand. And David Stern wanted to get out ahead of it. Uh, Sidney Schlanker uh, had a price, and he didn't want to budge off of that price. $65 million for an NBA team in 1989 was very good, uh, even for a team like Denver which wasn't what the value the Denver Nuggets are right now. Um, obviously, the Denver Nuggets right now are worth $1.4 billion. Um, in 1989, the NBA wasn't at the height of their powers. Jordan hadn't yet won his championships. But it was on the rise again, thanks to Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And uh, it was hitting a its crescendo, and it would hit its peak in the late 90s. But it was still on the rise. And the price had risen almost $40 million from where uh, Sidney Schlenker had purchased from Red McCombs in 1985. However, as I said before, money was not in hand. And it was September of, uh, of 1989 when this big pomp and circumstance press conference was held and David Stern I mean with Arthur Ashe on the podium with with Bertram Lee with Peter Bino with Ron Brown was was showing this big you know it was making a big show of what was happening which look it was a tremendous historical moment but it was a perfect example of counting your chickens before they're hatched Two weeks later, Sidney Schlenker, through Pete Babcock, who was the uh, Douglas general manager at the time, announced that the sale was off. Announced that the team featuring Bino, Lee, Ash, and uh, Brown didn't have the money and had not given them any money. Uh, And... Sidney Schlenker hadn't signed anything and still owned the team. That's 
this moment, this moment that said Pete Badcock announced that the deal was off essentially, and that there was <laughs> that there was they weren't going to be buying the team, was a pivotal moment in NBA history, and it was a pivotal moment in African American pro sports ownership history. The rest of the story is one that I, I cannot wait to tell you. Um, part two will be featuring just bunch of backstabbing and uh, stuff that you just was never heard before, even in my stories. And I can't wait to tell you. I will probably record in a couple days. We'll see. Uh, but part two is coming up. Thank you all for joining me. Uh, and I will be talking to you soon. Goodbye.